They've been lucky enough to have a go on the tipping point machine. And Jack actually got the jackpot counter out. And I'll never forget it because wow. he went to bed that night. He must have been about five or six. But he went to bed that night and he said, so uh, that was brilliant. Dad. I had such a good day. Great. And he said, and then he just went, and I've got the jackpot counter out. He said, yeah, yeah. And he said, how much money do ITV owe me? <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to this episode of My Dad Pod. My name is Dave Berry and a couple of years ago, I became a father for the first time. As a brand new dad, I wanted to create a place for all people to come and celebrate parenthood. So My Dad Pod was born and I've been gathering invaluable dad advice from some very special guests ever since. Now, both my daughter Evie and the dad pod are both a little bit older. I am still hoping to get a little bit wiser. And so this time out, I am joined by a TV presenter, journalist, quiz master and fathers to sons, Jack and Sam. It's Ben Shepherd. Hello, Ben. How are we, Dave? Good to see you. Great having you on the dad pod. Mate, it's a pleasure to be here. I've listened to many of your podcasts in the past uh, and, and thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, the advice and the thoughts that have been shared by the various dads and some mums as well, of course. Of course. been well, on the dad pod. Well, that's very sweet of you. Yeah, it's a place for all parents to come. And uh, well, the first thing, you know, there's, there's much for us to talk about. But basically, Evangeline is going to be coming up for two years of age. Um, both the boys are teenagers. What are your memories of, of those toddler years? Oh. Well, OK, so from a dad's perspective, I think like there's certain things that happen. So when the baby comes along, there is such a strong bond between the mum and the baby if they're breastfeeding and all those things. Literally, as a dad and as Annie's husband, I was just a vessel for tea, cleaning, food, anything that she needed to help the baby sort of stay alive, which was traumatic in itself. You know, I can remember going to work and I'd go to work very early in the morning like you do. And just I'd, I'd go in and I'd look at Sam when he was born and I'd have to watch his chest go up and down three times before I could leave the house. But I couldn't wake him up as well, obviously. So that absolute gripping fear that you're going to do something wrong that's going to cause some sort of harm. But those first few months are all about just trying to keep your head above water and make sure Annie had what she needed uh, to be able to sort of be the brains and the, and the engine room behind this parenting malarkey. And then, then they start smiling and then they start sitting up and then they start crawling. But undoubtedly, I still think around 18 months of getting on where Evangeline is now, around two years, I think from a dad's perspective, and this is my experience, things get exponentially better. Right, okay. Because, because suddenly you're getting direct feedback. They're chatting loads, they're yeah. moving around more. They're quite happy to be away from mum and do a bit more with you. You yeah. can have your own shared moment with them as well. So the bond between me and the boys from, I'd say from 18 months, two years on has just exponentially has got stronger and better from that moment. And I think back to that time and I kind of look at them now and I look at my boys now and they're all pubes and hormones and smells now. <laughs> and I think back to, think back to, do you know what I mean? It's, I look yeah. at them that and I think, God, you remember when it was so simple and it was just literally about Lego or Peppa Pig and a biscuit. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes I think I, could, I would go back in a heartbeat. But then and then I just think about how all consuming it is at that stage. You know, they're starting to get a little bit more independent, but they still need you for absolutely everything. And that's relentless. That is a relentless experience and feeling. Um, that sometimes, you know, when they're ill or when they're not sleeping, you never feel like you're going to get past it. 
but the good news is you do you get through it somehow you get through it as a team or or whatever it is and when you come out the other side and you sort of take stock and you take moments it's been an extraordinary adventure that we're on and and we're sort of still only really just starting with them but I look back at those years as as toddlers as two-year-olds and three-year-olds very very fondly but I'm I'm still very glad they're behind me Dave I'm honest. Fair, fair play. Um, I must admit, though, Ben, all, all jokes aside, and it's so lovely to hear you say that, you know, Eve, Evie's kind of over the 20-month mark now, and I am just the happiest I think I've ever been in my mm. life. And we have a really special little bond. And when I come back um, from work, having grafted for four hours each and every day <laughs> in the morning, <laughs> and, and I come home, the welcoming hero hug and, and yes. stuff that I get, it just absolutely brings my, my world together. I, I love it so much. And it's just unbridled, isn't it? There's nothing behind it. At two years old or at 20 months, at two years old, it is just the the unbridled joy of seeing you having not seen you is really, really exciting. It's not because she wants something or because she's, you know, something's happened. It's just that delight. And that magic is something that you, you know, whatever's happened at work, it just, that all lifts when you see that smile and they give you a cuddle and you get that, you know, that first period of just sort of catching up on the day or hearing what they've been doing. And they're just a chat. That both my boys were real chatterboxes as kids, just inane chat, endless, whatever. Not a lot of it made sense, uh, but you just, it was just lovely to be around and hear that. Now you can barely get a word out of it. You know what I mean? It's, it's gone from one end of the spectrum to the other. Um, another thing you said, which is interesting, which I think illustrates that circle of life so perfectly, is that that now I'm in my 40s. If I get to sit down and watch an episode of Peppa Pig and have a biscuit, I'm happy as I would have been when I was two, it would seem, Ben. So that's good to know. That's life affirming stuff. Um, what, one of the things I was interested in, you know, you, you talk about it being kind of hormones and slightly monosyllabic. And I know, obviously, you're, you're kind of half joking about the boys, but but finding those shared interests, because I know you, you guys, you, you play golf together. Am I right in saying that, yeah. Ben? And, 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 and when did they start to kind of materialise? And, and is that a nice thing for you to do? You know, to, uh, give, to give Annie some time on her own, you can take the boys away and she can have a bit of her time, which is vital, I think, in any marriage. It's absolutely crucial. And it's transformed quite dramatically as they've got a bit older, because I can vividly remember Jack didn't sleep. Like Sam was a really good sleeper. He didn't sleep through till about 12 14 weeks, something like that. But once he was in, he was fine. Jack did not sleep for about 18 months, two years. And it was absolutely brutal. I'd go, I'd go to work at sort of 3.30 in the morning and Annie would call me at about six o'clock saying, Jack's just fallen asleep. And then 20 minutes later, Sam would wake up and I'd come home. Goodness. And if Sam had gone to nursery, Annie would be asleep on the floor next to Jack's cot because she was just so. So we had this really intense period when Jack was little because he just wouldn't sleep. It turned out we eventually in the middle of the night, like you do, I went on a mum's net forum or a forum of some sort. And I said, has anybody got any ideas? And someone suggested that he might be lactose intolerant. And we changed his milk. We changed the formula and it was overnight he sort of slept because he wasn't keeping wow. his milk down and he had really bad reflux and literally overnight. And it was like a magic switch had been turned. Jeez. But I, I remember one particular morning saying to Annie, cause like you say, it's so important that she can have her own time and she get her own rest. So she wasn't getting any sleep. So one Saturday I said, look, babe, I'll take the boys tomorrow morning. You have a lie in, you have a good, good rest and I'll look after the boys and you know what, you'll have a really nice sleep and everything be great. So Saturday morning I wake up, Sam's waking up. He's in the room next to me. We go and get Jack up and we take Jack into Sam's room, which was next to our bedroom at the time. And Sam is only 20 months older than Jack. So Jack's probably about 
I don't know, probably about eight weeks, something like that. So Sam's not much older than 20, probably about Evangeline's age now, right? Right. And um, he's pootling around his room. We love Farm and Sam or whatever was going on. And I'm changing Jack's nappy. And I opened Jack's nappy. And as often as would happen, as I'm sure you experienced and parents experienced, as I pulled his nappy off, he has a wee, right? It's just that spontaneous combustion that happens when, yeah, yeah I'm sure you've experienced today, when you're free to air suddenly, there's like a release, there's a sense of enjoyment, right? <laughs> so he has a wee. So that's fine, because I sort of managed to close the, put the nappy back on just in time. Yeah, and you're then not getting there away. Yeah, yeah. Then, then, as I pulled it down again, he didn't just have a wee, he, he, he started having a poo. But he didn't have a poo. He did a projectile poo, as would often happen, right? So there was this moment where I'm... So there's me trying to be dad of the year, trying to give Annie a nice lie in. I'm in the room next door. Jack's on Sam's bed. And the poo starts coming. And it's gone all over me. And, and, and it's like he's had a curry. I mean, honestly, all he had was milk at the time. It's gone all over me. And it's all starting to go over the bed. And then, of course, so I'm trying to control that. And then Sam, of course the interested two-year-old comes pottering over saying, oh, daddy, what's going on? And there's poo going everywhere. And Sam's trying to put his hands in it. And Jack's kicking his legs around. And I've sort of, so I've got to the point where I've managed to, I've got one hand on Sam. Like, you stay there. I'm holding Jack's legs down. And I've managed to take everyone's clothes off. I've got naked. Sam's naked. Jack's naked. There's poo everywhere. And Annie, and the door opens and Annie said, what is going on? And this was my big moment to give reliance. There's honestly, there's poo all over the room. We're all completely naked. She's just looking at me going, what have you done? And I'm like, I'm so, and, and so like, that was my, that was my effort when they were little to try yeah. and take something off her. The lovely thing, and you say sort of, you know, we have shared interests now with, with sport, particularly with golf, which is lovely. As they got a bit older and <laughs> they'd been toilet trained, being able to take them to do stuff, to sports, to matches if they're playing football, if they're playing rugby. And now for the three of us to play golf like we do is one of the most fantastic parts of my life. It's the thing I enjoy most. I was thinking about this, actually, because I knew we were going to chat. And, and what is it that I get from the boys? I will never be able to explain to them. And I love my sport, as you know, Dave. I love mm -hmm. playing sport, watching sport, being consumed with sport, presenting sport. I will never enjoy moments of my own sport, like I will if I'm with them or if I'm watching them. Watching them play sport or do something is, is just extraordinarily fulfilling. And I love doing it myself. There's something I get from it, which is just watching them flourish and grow and learn a new skill and us having a shared moment together, a great shot in golf, a really bad shot, a good laugh, you know, them beating me or me beating them them beating me mostly now, which is really Is that what we're coming to? Yeah. Oh, it's all, my eldest Sam, you've got to be careful what you wish for as well, because the boys were tiny. Sam was very big when he was born, but and the boys were small and you kind of think, I can't wait for them to get a bit bigger so we can have a fight and we wrestle and we can play football properly or we play golf together. Sam is 15 and he's six foot two, Dave. He's got size is 12 he? feet. He's wow. an absolute wagon. And we went, for a, <laughs> we went for a run the other day and... <laughs> He got into running in lockdown. So he, it was his 100th run because he's got into Strava with his mates. And I, like usually I'm, I'm relatively fit, as you know. And uh, we were running around the park and by the, near our house, there's a hill. So we come to this last hill. And I'm thinking, God, I'm blowing a bit here. I'm not sure I'm going to stay with him. Anyway, as we're going halfway up the hill, I'm going, keep going, Sam. We're nearly there, nearly there. He slapped my ass oh. and said, keep up, keep up, old man. And, oh. ran, and off. And he's finished. And I'm like... <laughs> There's this horrendous conflict of mixture of pride that he's got so fit and at 
absolute seething anger. Yeah. That he had the audacity to slap me on the way past and then beat me as well. You should get and one of those relay batons and that's the way you can do it. So when you just feel like you're, you're running yeah. that, thing, just hand it to him and go. Go. that's your, your turn. <laughs> you, you know, those moments that we share now, are, I couldn't have understood that growing up. You know, I'm, I'm very close with my dad. We struggled a bit through my teenage years because I was just an oik, really, and didn't, didn't understand what he was trying to do. I get it so much better now that I'm a father. But we didn't have that shared moment like this. And no one could have told me how special that was going to be. And the other thing is, I mean, I love my golf and golf takes a long time. I take the boys off Annie's hands for four hours rather than being really selfish. I'm being very selfless. Day. So I get, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You're only brownie You've got them into something speech. that you were going to be doing anyway. Ben. Yes, yeah, yeah, I see yeah, what you've yeah, done yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like a convoluted plan. It's like evil genius. But, it's, you know, I, I, I watch them now and I enjoy that with them. And you sort of speculate about it. And I'm sure you do think about what the two of you are going to be doing when she's a bit older mm-hmm. and what you can watch her do when you watch her play a first game of whatever it might be. And actually watching it, thinking about it and actually doing it are two very different things. And, and it's really visceral. It really is, you know, the good bits and the bad bits. You live every moment with them. And I could never have understood how much joy I would get from watching them partake in any activity. And that's something that I still absolutely thrive on. One of the things I've been most frustrated with, Jack's just changed schools this year. And, and he's got into the football team. And I love going to watch them play football. I just love it. But because of COVID, there's, you can't go and watch. Parents aren't allowed to watch. And that, you know, that I find that so frustrating that mm-hmm. there are these moments and these benchmarks in their life that unfortunately we're all being forced to have to compromise on yeah. because, of, because of what we're going through. I know that we'll get plenty more and, and that'll be, but those little milestones are so, so special and I've, I've loved every one of them. I know that you're into your sport and, and it seems that the boys are as well, which is fantastic. And a big part of, of your kind of healthy way of living for the last 20 years of seeing you compete in. I mean, I have my research tells me 14 marathons. Is that right? Or am I doing you? Am I doing I, you down there? I, I think it might be a few more than that now. But yeah, it's about okay. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you've, you kind of you've got multiple caps for the England Soccer A team. You've climbed Kilimanjaro. You did that for comic relief and you did all these things for, for a charitable cause. Is that something that you're bringing to the table with Jack and Sam? Is it nice for them to be turning their uh, t- size 12 feet uh, in, in the direction of raising money for people less fortunate than, than they maybe are? Well, at the moment, I'm the charity case at home, Dave. They can raise some money for me, quite frankly. <laughs> Can't even get up that hill. Here's a tenner. No, and the amount of effort and time I've put into them. I'm the foundation, the Ben Shepherd knackered back fund. He, uh, uh, yes, I I think so. I think it's interesting because whereas Sam has really got into, and Sam was never particularly uh, good at, at football. He loved it, but he wasn't particularly good at it. So he's got into running and sort of golf and solo sports that he can do with his mates. Jack was always really into team sports and the team thing has really dropped off because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So we've got the one son that is just thriving and has embraced it. And also Sam's a bit bigger. He's 15. He's much more body aware and he, he, he's taking great pride in his appearance. The 13 year old, getting a 13 year old off the sofa is, is a struggle at the moment. Do you know what I mean, he's never happier with a bag of crisps and, and a bit of YouTube. And I, and <laughs> And I know, I know that that will turn around because, you know, it's quite, a, it's quite an intense period at the moment. But finding the, the way for them to be fit and healthy and enjoy the lifestyle that they have, so enjoy what they've got going on. But equally, we've got some 
charitable things that I do that they're very aware of that I know that they're really keen to be involved with and that's you know it's a real motivator for us we're very lucky Dave aren't we the job that we do comes with a certain profile and, and if you can lend your profile to support a cause that you're close to or you have an affinity to you know that's a that's a real privilege and I think that they both understand how lucky right. I have been with all of those things. And, and, you know, and, and it's, it's nice that you'll be able to, as you say, you're, you're lending your time to causes that mean something to you for a reason. And for your yeah. two sons to be embracing that, I think is, is really heartwarming, actually. As part of your job, obviously, you know, you're a stalwart of British television, you're a national treasure loved by all. Oh, uh, the one thanks, that gets Dave. you up, well, it's true. The one that gets <laughs> you up the earliest is, of course, um, you know, Good Morning Britain. And there's an old adage, and this isn't, I'm not saying this because I agree with this, but, but some people say like oh why would you want to bring a child into this world and your job means you're at the forefront of you know um telling us all about radical politics and pandemics and climate change is it difficult to to come off set to wrap after a particularly difficult broadcast of a new show and and then go home and 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 face the family do you carry that with you i think there is a, a and sadly at the moment there is a lot of frustration and despair and bad news and continuing trauma for for all of us and we do worry that that the damage that we are doing to young people my goddaughter's at university and of course it's been no no time to be at university she's no. been locked up in a halls of residence and for the boys as well you know thinking about what does the future look like and how is this going to pan out for them but i think the thing that gets you through those trickier days when you're dealing with really tough stories or tough subject matter is coming home and seeing them and seeing the optimism and the hope and the need to keep striving for things to improve for them to sort of find a base whereby they can build on their life in a creative and constructive way Mm -hmm. that will make a difference hopefully occasionally it's been tough it's been really tough for family reasons and for personal reasons going through covid you know, one of my very good colleagues is, as you know, Kate has been uh, very seriously affected in her family. Yes. And, and Billy and Darcy are similar ages to Sam and Jack and they're good friends. S- and, send her my regards, won't you, Ben? Williams? Yeah, I will. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Yeah. As she will tell you, if you see her, um, the support and the outpouring of, of love and, and generosity of spirit for the British public has been incredible. You know, so so those are things that are hard to leave behind. But I think that when you see how she's approached it, when you see the positivity which we, she's taking it, and when I see the boys and how they're attacking life and they're not letting it get in the way of what they're going through, it makes me very proud and it also sort of redoubles your effort to make sure that you know we can keep the stories current and tangible, that hopefully we can present it in a way that can, can make some change and understand that you know in reality for me and for Annie, the most important thing, and I've, I think I've always felt like this, is that my boys can wake up every day with a smile on their face and feel safe and secure and positive and confident. And we are sort of trying to navigate, as any parent is, you're just trying to navigate all the things that are thrown in your path that sort of destabilise that. And there will be days that are good and there'll be days that are bad, but, you know, we are very lucky in that the majority of our days are, are pretty positive and they are pretty resilient as well. I think that's something else that... I've come to understand is that kids are, I think, much stronger than we sometimes give them credit for. Um, so I'm very proud of, of, of them and their mates, actually, and how they've gone about it. And, you know, the environment they're in, their school has been brilliant. We've been very lucky. Their school has reacted really quickly and, and very well. The other thing that's interesting as well is that because they know what I'm doing and, and they will go through phases of being very engaged with what I'm doing and then not relate remotely interested in, in what I'm doing. 
But Sam at 15 is getting much more engaged with current affairs and politics and the news because that's what happens at that age. And they're talking about it a lot of schools. So he's engaging with it. And that I find really exciting because it's kind of a way of sharing what's happening in the news and hearing what his opinion is on these things. And you see these young minds being formed and shaped mm-hmm. and, and sort of just hopefully allowing him and his brother to sort of stay open-minded about what's going on and not be sort of brought down by the negativity and the pessimism and mm-hmm. to keep that optimism and that, that sense of hope. And that's something that, you know, I'd like to think that Annie and I have done our best and it's not always easy. Crikey. It's not always easy when they've done something really bad or things are really going wrong when you've not had any sleep or whatever it is, but trying to stay optimistic and positive about things, I think is, it's kind of been my default position as well, Dave, for, for a long time. And I, I sort of hold on to that. I think that if you are, as parents, if you're able to kind of create that culture for your children where they feel secure and they feel informed, then you're kind of ticking off the, really the number one box, which is you're creating good people, good adults, mm. good people for society. And, and therefore, maybe the news in their hands will be a little less bleak from time to time because they're yeah. making better decisions and taking care of one another more than certain generations have ours and, and, and people in the past, perhaps. I think the other thing is that I was thinking about this with the boys. I think being interesting is a good thing. I think being interested is a much more important thing. So it's not just about having things to say. It's about being interested to find out what other people have got to say. What is the reason behind this? What is the reason behind that? I think it's why I love my job so much. I'm I'm much more interested in other people than I am myself. I'm much more interested in someone telling a story and me helping them tell that story than me telling the story myself. And I think that the boys, uh, I mean, Jack's a little bit younger than Sam, but Sam certainly has that intrigue and that interest. There's little things, you know, I love watching the boys interact with people they don't know. And Sam is getting great at this. And I love watching him ask questions. It's a really simple, simple thing. But to think, because there's a certain point, lots of kids just think, and rightly so, the world revolves around them. They just, they're so in the present. They just talk about what is they've got. And, and but then they get to a point where they suddenly realise, actually, it's not just about that. It's about what's going on around them. And seeing that inquisitive nature grow and flourish is a really exciting thing to watch. And often Annie and I will be somewhere and, and I'll just catch a glimpse of Sam talking to someone maybe he doesn't know. But it, not just being asked questions by that person, but asking questions and engaging them in conversation. And that's a very humbling thing to see because you kind of think along the way he has gathered that need to find out information. And I love that. I think that's really exciting. So we've got, you know, the, the work we've talked about in the morning on, on Good Morning Britain. Obviously, Ninja Warrior, obviously Tipping Point. These are big shows, dearly loved mm. up and down the country. How do you boys, you say they come in and out of interest in what you're doing. Does that apply to Ninja Warrior or are they, are they sat there ready to well, watch an episode looking for? Do they think they would be successful on Tipping Point, Ben? <laughs> so over the years, they've come in and had a go on the machine. Um, oh, have they? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It turns out... It's not what you know. <laughs> no, totally. It turns, it turns out, though, that two of their best mates, two brothers at their school they were at, were the grandsons of Jim Bowen. Oh, so wow. we had this amazing moment where Robert and Daniel came in with their mum because they both loved the show and we were filming around the corner from where we live and they all came in to have a go. And then their mum said to me, Ben, you don't know this, but we've never talked about it, but actually Jim Bowen's my dad. You can imagine, Dave, we're on a set of a quiz show. I stopped everything. Everyone had to stop and go, oh my God, it's Jim Bowen's grandson. And Jim, who loved the show, 
apparently sent the boys with all these questions and all that sort of oh, stuff. Wow. So they've, they've, they've been lucky enough to have a go on the tipping point machine. And Jack actually got the jackpot counter out. And I'll never forget it because wow. he went to bed that night. He must have been about five or six. But he went to bed that night and he said, so uh, that was brilliant. Dad. I had such a good day. Great. And he said, and then he just went, and I've got the jackpot counter out. He said, yeah, yeah. And he said, how much money do ITV owe me? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, there's his mother's son right there. It's it, it £10,000, Daddy. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll sort that one out for you, son. And then taking them to Ninja was amazing when we were doing that because there's so much of what I've done when they were really little, they're not particularly interested, but that was so much more tangible because all their mates were watching that. So that was really exciting. I mean, what you've just said there leads me really nicely on to this question that I ask to all my guests that, you know, we're all aware of the concept of the dad joke and how it's easy for us dads to embarrass our children. But we flip it on its head. Do, do your boys make you laugh? I mean, I love the tipping point, how much the ITV owe me. That's that's just hilarious. Are, are, yeah. are the boys funny? Do you guys have a they laugh are, when you're on, on the golf course? They are merciless. They are absolutely... <laughs> Sam... Sam particularly, he's, he's really fallen in love with comedy. If he's not watching Hypothetical or Taskmaster or any of James Acaster's stuff, I mean, he literally, he watches back-to-back comedy series on Comedy Central or on Netflix or wherever it is. So he's, he's developing a really dry, clever sense of humour. Okay. And Jack's just like me. Jack's all about fart jokes and, and, and <laughs> you know, really puerile, childish things. And, they're, you know, they're boys, so... Yeah. You've got to be really careful. I remember Freddie Flintoff saying this, because, you know, I don't know if you, when Freddie used to go on the, the, do the road trip, he would, while someone was holding a tray, he'd pull their trousers down. Right. Right. That was a, a stupid prank, right? A really <laughs> stupid, yeah. blokish prank. And he said, it's fine till your kids do it to you in a service station. <laughs> you know, do, do you know what I mean? You're, in, you're, you're at the Watford Gap and, and one of his sons. Says, and that's what I found with the boys now, because they're bigger. So, you know, the stupid stuff you used to do in the playground, that you'd kneel behind someone and your mate would push them over you yeah. sort of thing. I have to keep full attention at all times and they're not going to sort of try and trip me up or <laughs> jump out on me. Or So so they are brilliant. They are very funny. They'll take any opportunity to take the mickey out of me or, or laugh at me. Like Sam slapping my bum as we're running up the hill <laughs> yeah. is a classic example of, of him rubbing my face in it and stuff. And, and that's as much as it sort of pains me to say, I, I love it. I love watching that sort of aspect of their personality develop. Ben, what I'd like to ask you now is for a piece of dad advice. Um, this is all over the dad pod. It's kind of the main reason I created it in the first place. Your Ninja Warrior co-star and good friend, uh, Cammy, he, he told <laughs> us that it was it was yeah it was um it was really lovely talking to you about fatherhood. Obviously, his children are adults, but he did he remember he, his kids? Yeah, <laughs> he got both their names right and everything. Uh, no, he said he's always checking in on them just to see if they're okay and what yeah. he can do to help them, even in adulthood, which I found to be you know, quite a nice thing to hear him say. Uh, what would your piece of dad advice be to any of the parents who have downloaded and listening right now? Cammy's always checking in on them because he can't remember what he did five minutes ago. So he doesn't remember <laughs> that he's checked in on them five minutes before. Do you know what? He's, he's just such a lovely dad and you watch him now and he I think he will admit this because he was playing football all through his kids lives that he can be a grandfather in a way that he couldn't really be a dad because he's been there for his grandkids and and you know he's like the Pied Piper with his grandkids around him it's, it's just really really lovely and he's always asking about my two as well um I think one of the key things the core things that Annie and I have always strived to do is be consistent you know, it's really easy to let guilt rule the decisions that you make if you feel guilty because you've been working a bit too much or because you haven't quite been there when you need to be. So you might give in on something that you've set up 
a rule that you've decided you want to try and implement a bit of discipline on the kids. And I think that that's perfectly understandable because we all feel like that at times, but I think trying to be consistent as a team and make sure that the boundaries that you set for your kids are always the same and you don't compromise just because you're feeling a bit tired or they're giving you a hard time. Because if you put the hard yards in early doors, then you reap the benefits down the line. And that's certainly where we are right now. Undoubtedly, the boys, who they are and who they're becoming and they're growing into really lovely young men is because I think that, you know, particularly by Annie's guidance, I have to be honest, we were sort of pretty strong as a team initially. So even if one of us made a decision or said something that the other one didn't agree with, we would always try never to disagree in front of the boys. Mm -hmm. So if mum says you can't have that, you can't have it. Daddy, can I have that? Well, mum said you can't have it, you can't have it. And then maybe five minutes later, I'd go upstairs, I'd say, look, I'm not sure that's necessarily how I deal with it. So we disagree outside, come to a conclusion, but we would never do it in front of the boys. So they always yeah. understood that as a team, we were always going to be united. You know, kids are very clever. It's an instinct that they have in them. You watch them do it. It's just genius. And they don't necessarily get taught it. It's just something that they have but they will divide and conquer to get what they want. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They are little criminal masterminds. So sort of, you know, being united, being a team, being consistent, no matter how hard that might be at times, certainly has served us well. And actually has allowed us to make decisions that have guided the boys, I think, pretty, pretty well up till now. And I think that, yeah, sort of the harder you work at the start, the better it is. It's hard to see though, of course, because... Your little girl's, what, 20 months going on for two. Yeah. And you can't imagine her being six, let alone being 15. But trust me, that's, it's going to go by, Dave, in the, in the blink of an eye. I can see Sam bouncing around as a two-year-old, you know, covered in poo because his brother's just pooed all over him and me trying. I can see that. I can still feel yeah. that. But now it's, you know, he's 15 and he lies on the sofa and he takes up the whole blooming sofa and he's just too big all round. He's got canoes for feet. It's, it flies by. Uh, but I think we are getting the benefit of how hard we worked initially. And it's mostly because Annie's bloody good at this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only reason I can even be remotely any good as a parent, if I have been, is because she's, you know, she has, she has run the show, really. I'm, I'm oh. literally, I'm a sort of a poor second. Well, I'm sure that's not true, but, you know, we have many different parenting journeys and guests on the dad pod, but every now and again, and this seems like the right moment to do it, we just have to raise our glass to the mums, to the, to, to yeah, the mums. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So the boys, they download this podcast in 15 years from now. What message would you like to leave for them, Ben? The floor is yours. Firstly, I told you not having Snapchat wouldn't end your life. <laughs> is that for Secondly, me, Ben, or is that for the boys? <laughs> I know, we spoke about a year ago. <laughs> that's particularly for my 13-year-old right now. Uh, secondly, I told you West Ham would win the Champions League. And thirdly, it's your round. About time you got the bloody beers in. <laughs> um, Beer, football and social media, Dave. They're the only things that matter. The three things. Um, and finally, Ben, there is an old saying about having to pick your favourite child. No one wants to do it. You don't have to name them. Do you have a favourite child? Yes or no? No. No, I honestly, I, I, I was listening to you with Jeff. Right, uh, right. Your Jeff you. Brazier podcast. And Jeff paused for too long. He paused for too long. <laughs> but then very clearly pointed out, there are days, there are days when Jack will drive me up the wall and uh, Sam can do no wrong. And there are other days when Jack is just, Jack is still so cuddly and still love, very tactile and Sam's, you know, much more standoffish. And, and you kind of think, how, you know, so there are, you go through moments with both of them, but I don't think I have a favourite. I'll tell you what would be a more interesting question is you to ask them if they've got a favourite parent. 
Actually, that's probably a much simpler answer because it wouldn't be me. <laughs> <laughs> ben, it's been great spending some time in your company. Thank you for your kind words about the dad pod. And I'm so pleased that you are now part of it because it has been informative. It has been fun. And I know that so many people who are listening to this are going to take so much away from it. Do send my love to the family and continue yeah, success do, with all of these amazing projects that you have on the television. Thanks, and uh, I hope to see you real soon for a, for a hug and something close to kind of some yeah, human too, contact would be nice. Nice. That would be lovely. I just one one other thing. I think the other thing that I, that we can all do as new parents is put ourselves under tons and tons of pressure. I remember Annie saying to me, "The boys aren't going to watch television, and they aren't going to have sugar, and we're gonna, only going to have really handmade wooden tools that have come from <laughs> somewhere in the Himalayas." And, all, and of course, none of that is reasonable. Just don't set ridiculously high bars that you can't live up to. Give yourself a break because you know everyone's going to make mistakes. And that's all right. That's part of it. And the it's the mistakes that build the character, I think. That's well what I'm hoping. <laughs> ben, thank you very much indeed. See you soon, my man. Pleasure, Dave. Lovely to speak to you, mate. The effortlessly charming Ben Shepherd there. Some great advice, lovely stories, and a wonderful insight too. Remember, if you're enjoying the Dad Pod, please leave us a comment and review. And you can also email me anytime you like. It's daveberrydadpod at gmail.com or tweet me, daveberry underscore tweet. I'm also on Instagram. I do really enjoy hearing from you. And don't forget, you can hear me on Absolute Radio every weekday morning from 6am till 10am with the Dave Berry Breakfast Show. So thanks once again for listening. And and I'll see you next time when I'll be joined by another special guest and parent. <laughs>